This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, March 28th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Hotbed's hot topic of Mountain Village's comprehensive plan, The Dawn with Aubrey Mabel, abortion, fentanyl and marijuana, and a mountain weather forecast. Mountain Village's comprehensive plan has been the topic of conversation for nearly a year. The comprehensive plan, or comp plan, is the town's guiding light for development. It was first adopted in 2011 with a plan to have it in place for 30 years. But now, just 10 years later, the town is going back to the document for an amendment. The town isn't making huge changes to the plan, rather amendments that simplify the document and take into consideration economic changes, like Airbnb or VRBO, that weren't a reality 10 years ago. Once complete, the document will cover a range of visions for the town over the next 30 years, from economic development and land use to hotbeds and housing. Last week, Mountain Village Town Council got an update on the amendment process, and the conversation quickly turned to hotbeds. The original comp plan identified a goal of creating over 1,500 hotbeds. Those are primarily hotels. There are currently around 800. That degree of change was perceived very quickly in the process to be too much. That's Andrew Knudsen with Economic Planning Services, a consulting firm assisting on the amendment process. The challenge is to reduce that amount that was seen to be uh, kind of sweeping um, to reduce it to the appropriate level, recognizing there's certain community benefits from a reduction and certain community benefits from uh, maintaining a certain base. Knudsen supports increasing the number of hotbeds in Mountain Village. We do think that hotbeds offer a benefit to communities. Uh, We work throughout the Rocky Mountain West and many communities like Mountain Village uh, benefit from Uh, the dollars that come in in the form of guests and the dollars that are spent and then circulate through the local economy even after they leave. But he acknowledges there is also a tipping point. We are hearing from all of our clients that there is a tipping point that was reached during COVID in terms of activity in communities. And that activity is in the form of automobile traffic, uh, skier traffic, foot traffic, parking lot congestion, trail traffic, you name it. I mean, the list is quite long. For town council, Mountain Village is at that tipping point, at least according to the residents. Based on public comment, council member Pete Dupre says he's heard a call to maintain the community character, keep open space, and develop slowly in small ways. I think that's where 90% of the community is. They're, They're not looking for an economic bonanza. And they, they're looking for, I think, small increments of improvement, you know, a little bit better restaurant and things like that. But they don't want 5,000 more people on the slopes. Mayor Leila Benitez agrees, noting she's had a shift in opinion. I didn't think I would be here. I mean, it's just the very overwhelming volume of feedback that's gotten me here. Dupre adds it's not just about the number of people coming to the area, it's how the hotbeds impact all the other issues the region is facing. You, you can't build two hotels and staff them without affordable housing. And, and that's never really discussed. Affordable housing's got to come first, and then you, then you can staff your hotels. I don't know where all those, the employees would, would live. 
Um, parking. I think parking, it's talked a little bit about, but I think we've, we've got to do expand the, the gondola parking garage. I think we've got to do something in the meadows. And then the gondola fits into this. Ellie Schaefer with MIG, another consulting firm, says she hears the comments from the public, but notes the proposed list of hotbeds in the plan isn't a guarantee they'll be built. Here's an exchange between Schaefer and Benitez. The town is not proposing hotbeds on these sites. It's just identifying locations that would be most appropriate should a developer come forward and want to build additional hotbeds. But I think um, if a developer has that land or is interested in that land, that's something they could do on their own. But when our community sees that, mm -hmm. what they see is this is what we are pushing for development. And we don't need a community that feels like we're not hearing them. Based on public comment, Mountain Village plans to reduce the number of hotbed developments identified as priorities in the comprehensive plan. But notes, any developer is still welcome to propose a project to create more hotbeds, which will then go through the appropriate application and approval process. From the depths of the San Miguel River to the tip of Ajax, Telluride is full of talented musicians. Last week, one local musician, Aubrey Mabel, released The Dawn, a new EP focusing on what's instrumental. KOTO News spoke with Mabel about the album. Aubrey, thank you so much for being here to talk about your new EP that is just out. People will know you as one half of the band Lady. This is an independent project that you're, you're doing on your own. Can you just share a little bit about uh, what this EP is? Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Um, you know, when I moved to Telluride, which was at the beginning of the pandemic, um, that also meant leaving my musical partner behind in Denver, the other half of Lady. And that has been a challenge in itself. And so one of my goals for 2021 was to teach myself how to produce my own music. So most of these songs were recorded in the loft of my house, just like, you know, one day when Jules was at work and I had the house to myself and I said, okay, great, I'm going to do this. So um, that's kind of like, you know, the more technical piece of it. But the, the real root of it was I just was not feeling inspired with words and with lyrics, with all of the heaviness in the world of 2020 and then transitioning into 2021, still kind of feeling like I was in a little bit of a funk and not really knowing what to say. So instead, using just my guitar to do the talking. Yeah. What do you feel like you can say with just an instrumental piece that maybe you can't say by using words? Mm. I mean, music is one of the most moving forces to me. It makes me feel things all the time, whether that's, you know, sadness, happiness, goosebumps. You hear someone hit that note. And so my hope with these songs is that it allows people to still feel things that they need to feel, um, but maybe in a different way that they've never felt before. And so, you know, a lot of a lot of the the riffs and it's it's very meditative and um, a lot of looping of you know loop one melody and then add 
some accents over top of it. So for me, it was also a way of expression and almost a meditative process to write these songs and then to listen back to them and, and feel like I can really get lost um, just in the meditative sense of the music. What song would you say that's on the EP that you think just really highlights the album for you and why? I mean, so there's five songs on them and one remix that a friend of mine did. And I would say it's the title of the EP, which is called The Dawn. It was one of the first ones that I wrote and one of the, you know, first ones that I really dove into producing and recording by myself. And I just think it it's it's a super easy song to listen to and to kind of get lost in. And it's perfect, you know, if you're driving down to Montrose to get your groceries, but it's also perfect, you know, if you're out cross-country skiing on the valley floor. Like, my, my hope for these songs is that there's not just one place or one one way to listen to them that, you know, wherever you are, you can find peace within the music. Obviously, having these technical skills that you have kind of learned and taught yourself, um, but also going through this process of creating instrumentals, of going into that kind of meditative world as you spoke about, do you think that will have an influence on kind of coming back to words maybe on how you approach songwriting and, and other work that you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I we've already, Kathleen and I, who's the other half of Lady, we've already kind of started to integrate a little bit of that into the newer music um, that we'll have coming out later this year, just, you know, longer intros, and um, there's actually a couple instrumentals. Uh, we recorded an album in November, and there's going to be two instrumentals on that album, um, which are just guitar. So it's been interesting to balance, you know, what is me as a solo Aubrey and what is for Lady. Um, but I think that we're we're navigating that and, and continuing to, to figure out what that process looks like. What do you hope people who listen to this EP, what do you hope that they are either getting out of or experiencing or the journey that you hope that this music is able to take them on? I hope that you feel calmer after you listen. I hope you feel a little bit more peace. You know, I, they're perfect songs to guide you through a meditation if you're someone who likes to meditate to start the day or, you know, easy listening over a cup of coffee to kind of ease into your day. So that is what I hope. That is what I hope that just a little more peace and a little more calm afterwards. Aubrey Mabel, thank you so much for coming in and chatting about your new EP. And I know everyone's really excited to listen to it. Well, thanks for having me. And That was Aubrey Mabel. Her new EP, The Dawn, is out now. Healthcare is a top topic of conversation in the U.S. and Colorado. But in addition to discussions on health insurance and cost, topics of actual health come up too. 
This week on Capital Conversation, KOTO State House reporter Scott Franz discusses three pieces of legislation looking at the health of the state. Hey, Scott, thanks for taking a couple minutes to chat with me today. Hey, Julia, my pleasure. So I wanted to chat with you about three bills that are all maybe related to health, but aren't um, actually talking about health care, which we've talked a lot about as well. The first one is looking at abortion. Colorado legislature is sending a bill to the governor to make abortion access more allowable in Colorado. Can you share a little bit what this what this bill does? Right. Well, Colorado uh, right now is one of a handful of states with almost no restrictions to abortion. And what we're seeing across the country Uh, is more and more states passing um, restrictions, you know, from Texas to Florida, you know, Idaho. And Colorado lawmakers want to make sure that if um, Roe v. Wade um, is scaled back or or hurt by the U.S. Supreme Court, that access in Colorado wouldn't be affected. I think Democrats fear that um, local governments would try to pass restrictions themselves. And so they're trying to get it um, kind of enshrined in state law. You know, this bill is a response to to other states passing restrictions um, and the legislature's way of saying, you know, we want to protect this permanently, no matter what happens at the federal level. Um, or in other states. Yeah, I thought that was interesting in part of your reporting. Um, you mentioned some lawmakers are saying that this is not only for Coloradans to have abortion protected, but also is kind of speaking to that or that regional um, shift as well or national shift. Can you share um, a little bit what that uh, mentality is? Right. You know, we, we had people here in Colorado testifying that um, were saying, you know, that they had to travel to Colorado abortions because of restrictions in their state. So, you know, that was another reason supporters said they needed to pass this is to, to protect that access for for people from, um, you know, other states who are already traveling here. The next bill I wanted to touch on, it's a bipartisan bill that I can't um, necessarily imagine there's a whole lot of pushback to, and that's trying to prevent death due to fentanyl in Colorado. What is this bill doing? Well, it's really addressing an alarming trend in our state. You know, last year, um, there were more than 800 Coloradans, um, you know, who were killed by this drug. And there has been some controversy recently, um, you know, over the state's response a couple of years ago. It was, um, you know, there's a, there's a law that uh, you know, people who possess less than four grams for personal use um, right now only face a misdemeanor. And now prosecutors think, you know, it should be a felony um, because this is such a, um, you know, potent and dangerous drug. Um, but lawmakers right now, they're moving to strengthen the penalties for, for people who are dealing it. Um, they're, they're trying to strike this balance between, you know, not criminalizing drug addiction, but going after, you know, the people who are who are distributing this this dangerous drug. Lastly, I wanted to chat about a bill looking at marijuana use. Obviously, we know um, marijuana use is legal recreationally in Colorado, but a bill actually just died in or was blocked in the legislature that would um, make that even a little bit less restrictive. What would that bill have done? And then why was it blocked? Yeah, so so this bill would have allowed 
medical marijuana patients to consume, to legally consume um, marijuana, you know, at the workplace. Uh, this, this stems from a case actually here in Colorado um, that went to the state Supreme Court, you know, where someone was terminated um, for marijuana use and, and sued. Um, the state Supreme Court said, you know, that employers can fire people for marijuana use, whether it's, um, you know, medical or um, something that perhaps happened off the clock but was detected in a drug test. So the other part of this bill would have protected workers uh, who use marijuana off the clock, uh, meaning, you know, they couldn't be fired or, or not hired because of that use. Um, now, you know, this has proven to be controversial because, you know, this had its first committee hearing. It was led by a representative from Boulder, um, and it was, you know, soundly rejected from members of, of both parties, from representatives spanning from the West Slope to the Front Range. Um, and their their argument was that they, you know, they don't want to tell workplaces what to do. Some raise safety concerns about, you know, allowing even medical marijuana patients to to use the drug at work. Um, you know, on the other side, the sponsor, the, the sponsor of this bill said, you know, there were exemptions for, you know, say jobs like, you know, warehouses with heavy machinery. Um, but just another sign that, you know, lawmakers are not ready yet to, to truly, uh, you know, regulate marijuana in the same way that, that alcohol is. There's still a hesitation, you know, involving workplace issues that they're citing on the um, rights of employers. Well, Scott, thanks so much for taking a couple minutes to chat with me today. Hey, my pleasure, Julia. Thank you. That was State House reporter Scott Franz reporting from Denver. Avalanche danger is a heartbreaking reality in the region. While even the most experienced backcountry adventurer can get lost in an avalanche, there are tools available to make a rescue possible. This week, the San Juan Field School will be hosting free avalanche rescue practice sessions to learn about rescue and enhance the skills you already have. There will be rescue transceivers, shovels, and probe poles available to borrow. Individuals are also encouraged to bring their own gear to practice if they have it. The avalanche rescue practice sessions will take place at the base of Chair 7. Sessions will take place on Tuesday, March 29th from 9 to 10.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. and on Wednesday, March 30th from 2 to 3.30 p.m. and 3.30 to 5 p.m. The sessions are free. All ages and ability levels are welcome. A new housing development may be coming to the meadows in Mountain Village. Lot 644 is just over 1.5 acres. Owned by the town of Mountain Village, it has been designated for deed-restricted housing since Mountain Village was incorporated in the mid-90s. The town will hold an open house this week for the community to review proposed design plans for the development. According to Mountain Village, the presentation will include several site plan options including unit type, layout, and number. The open house for the Meadows development will take place on Thursday, March 31st at 5.30 p.m. at Mountain Village Town Hall. Individuals can also participate via Zoom. 50 degrees on one day, snow the next. Spring has officially sprung in the San Juans. Spring is the in-between time when Mother Nature chooses herself instead of beauty. 
This week, the library is hosting a writing workshop with Bianca Darby Mateora to discover what spring means to you through word. The workshop will write towards the transition of springtime, the bird songs and pollen wind, the later dinner times, the social invitations, the unbundling of clothes, the freak snowstorms. For those looking to bring material to the class, although not required, individuals are encouraged to go outside, find a seat and an object, and describe what it is in a non-poetic sense, then bring five to ten facts about that object to the workshop. The Spring Writing Workshop will take place on Tuesday, March 29th from 6 to 7.30 p.m. via Zoom. Registration is available at telluridelibrary.org. Four Corners Canine Search and Rescue is the latest organization helping Native families find missing loved ones. They operate mostly in the Navajo Nation where resources for rescue are sparse. KZMU's Justin Higginbottom spoke with the founder of the group about what she and her two dogs find in the deserts of the region. Bernadine Bial has been working in search and rescue for six years, and she says it's all thanks to her dog. Actually, it's all because of my dog, Trigger. So I got him, and the lady we had got him from, she said, if you, if I was interested in an obedience class, that there's this class on weekends. So I started taking Trigger when he was eight weeks old. He started catching on to a lot of things. The lady that taught the class said that, you know, your dog's catching on. He's very smart. If you're interested, would you guys want to join Search and Rescue? He just was so smart that he caught on to all the exercises we did for air scenting, live find. Eventually, a couple years ago, he and I started working on human remains. She's based out of Farmington and soon found herself working with the New Mexico Badlands Search and Rescue Team. While working in the area, she was approached by families looking for their missing. A lot of them lived on the Navajo Nation and Bial's Navajo and knows how resources there are stretched thin. Navajo Nation police don't yet have a canine unit dedicated to search and rescue, although there are at least a couple of other dog-assisted teams working in the area. The demand is still high for help. My phone number started getting passed around, so I started getting these requests from families. So this past year, 2021 summer, was very busy. We were all over the place, me, Trigger, and the new dog I have, Gunny. My job is to pay attention to them. You know, I'm watching their motions. I'm watching their tail. I'm watching their ears. I'm watching their nose. I'm watching everything they do. And it's hard because it's two of them. So I'm trying to keep up with those two. Families in the Four Corners area are often left to search for their loved ones themselves. But it takes resources, like gas money and time. Without training, those searching can end up contaminating an area. That's why I wanted to do this to help law enforcement out, to help these families out, because at least we could try to get there in a timely manner, get things going, get a command center set up and teach these families on what the process is for a missing person. The person could have left clues, like maybe their shoe, their saw, a piece of clothing, water bottle, and families end up picking these items up and taking it back home, you know? So, and that, that's the education piece of this, trying to tell them, you know, don't touch anything, leave it there. Try not to go into the area until dogs get there. It's usually only Bial and a couple of volunteers searching a large and wild area. They tailor their methods depending on what kind of call they get. Are we going to do a grid search? Are we going to do a hasty search? Are we going to do a tight search? It all depends on what type of area you're in and the person. So, you know, if it's an elderly and they have health issues, we're really not going to have time to 
plan like a tight search. We're going to go more hasty search where we're like, let's get out there. Let's find the clues. Oh, here's footprints. Let's start working from those footprints right away. She finds all sorts of things in the desert. Sometimes she wonders how they got all the way out there. Shirts and bottles and bones. Cow bones, coyote bones, and human bones. She says she's found remains on three out of her 10 searches since January. The real hard, difficult part we run into is when it comes to bones, because you have animal bones, you have human bones. So that's another piece of search and rescue that I really had to learn a lot quickly. Bell works a full-time job, Monday through Friday. She leaves at 5 a.m. and drives 40 minutes to reach work, so she can only search on the weekends or her days off. But she still finds time for operations, like a search of the Blue Mountains outside of Monticello back in November. Now she's looking to expand and train those interested in search and rescue in the Four Corners area, including in Utah. She says there's still a lot of ground to cover. Justin Higginbottom for Rocky Mountain Community Radio. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for snow showers tonight with a low around 30 degrees. Winds could gust as high as 25 miles per hour. Tuesday, there is a 90% chance of snow showers. With a high in the mid-30s, Tuesday night, snow showers are likely, with cloudy skies and a low in the mid-20s. Five to nine inches of snow accumulation is possible. Wednesday, there is a 50% chance of snow showers with a high near 40 degrees. Wednesday night should be partly cloudy, with a low around 20. This has been the news for Monday, March 28th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.